Let's open the Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. And thank you to Matthew McDaniel and to Francois for bringing us through the balance of chapter 5. I kind of got us started six weeks ago in the Beatitudes. And then thank you, Clay, for singing them again. It's very important because the Beatitudes you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, etc. The merciful and all are key attributes that play through the entire sermon, play through this entire thing. And so this passage here today, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Next week, we're going to go to the Lord's Prayer and talk about the praying of the Lord's Prayer and how that all works and what that all means. Some of you call it our Father, uh, the Our Father Prayer. Some, I call it the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't matter what you call it. We're going to look at that next week. So let me read this, and we're going to kind of review back to the beginning and come back to this. Chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Aren't these great words? Now, you'll recall, those of you who were here just before I went on vacation, I I made a statement. I, I gave you four thoughts, and I do this all over. It's in church lead. I do it in world lead. Everywhere I go, I do it. And I talked about when you do something good, there are four parts to it. When you do an act of goodness, you know, give money or give to the, the thing we just did, the offering to Ukraine, whatever it is, you can name anything, four things are going on. And you need to know it. So let's do it again, just to kind of get our thinking in it. It's a repeat of what I did six weeks ago for a few minutes. Think of a good character quality right now. Just put one in your head. Trust, love, um, mercy, giving, generosity, uh, forgiveness. Do you have one in your mind? Just think of anyone. Okay, I have one in my mind. Think of it. Four things you need to think about it. Sorry, I'm putting up five fingers. Four fingers. Number one, you need to think about it as God thinks about it. Number one, because when your kids say, why do we need to be generous? Or someone else says, why do we need to be generous? The first thing is not to say, because I'm generous. Now, that's a good reason to be generous. You want to follow somebody else. But God says we are to be generous. Trust 
forgiveness, confession, mercy, blessed are the mourn, humility, all these things. Why, do, why are those good attributes? Because God says they're good attributes. So number one, when you do an act, we gotta see what God says about that first. Number two is what do you think about it? How are you thinking about this act? That's important because the Bible says we are to have the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter two, Romans chapter 12 says our mind should be transformed. Our actions should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's in our minds. What does the Bible say? Love the Lord your heart with all um, your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Your mind is a part of your good deeds. God is a part of it. Your mind is a part of it. And then third, it's your heart, your inner attitude towards it. And that could be your feelings or your belief. That is so critically important. And then the fourth, so the first is God, the second is your mind, the third is your heart, the fourth is your action. So when you give, if generosity is the issue, you give to someone who is needy, right here, or you give, is that a good action? I can't tell you if it's good. I have no idea if it's good. Why? Because I don't know your heart. I don't know your mind. You see, you might be like, it says, the hypocrites who want everybody to praise them, right? And I need that personal affirmation, that's my heart, to be praised when I do my generosity. So though the act of giving is good, the act of giving by me may not be good. You see, the practice of good has to be good internally and externally. And what's interesting, God turns it out. So if someone goes, do you actually ask everybody why they're giving when they give to the church? No, I don't. You want to give to the church, we'll take your money. But please understand, it may not be a blessing to you if you're giving for the wrong reason. Confession, trust, forgiveness, mercy, all the same. So now let's look at it knowing that you and I don't know what our neighbor is doing when they do something that we quote say is good. I volunteer at Boca Helping Hands. Oh, that's good. That's the um, uh, food bank here in Boca Raton and they do work and all help in housing, all that kind of stuff. And do I do it because I wanna help them? Do I do it because God has said we are to help the needy and I know we're to help the needy and I really feel and believe it, and then I give my resources to it, my time, my talent, my money towards it, then it's good. But if I'm just doing it so you go, hey, Bill, you're working at Boca Helping Hands. You know, that's why I remember I have some friends here just sitting here and some in the back. We used to go to the prisons every Monday night. Before I became senior pastor, we had, I was in prison every Monday night. I mean, I was there in prison. More than a lot of prisoners were there. I'm, we were in prison together. It was fantastic, but we didn't shout it from the rooftops. It's, it's kind of one of those things you just do quietly. 
because it's a ministry that needs to be done, but you just don't shout it from the rooftops, right? Because if I shouted it from the rooftops, then I'm wanting you to go, wow, Bill, and all these buddies of mine that are sitting in the room here, wow, you guys, wow, that's so cool that you're going to the prisons, and that's so cool that you're taking your, then I'm getting all the blessing now, I want my blessing later, right? So what does it say here? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, if they see you do it and they make the comment about it, it's okay. Hey, thanks for doing that. Thanks for being a part of Boca Helping Hands. Thanks for working with the children. Hey, thank you for being a part of our hospitality team. Then I've taken it, but it wasn't because of you. It was because I noticed or someone else noticed. That's different. And then if you act along the Beatitudes like blessed are the poor in spirit and you show some humility around it, then it's good. And you remember showing humility would be acknowledging that what you did was good and then give it back to God or give it back to someone else. So Danielle, who did all this thing with the kids, you know, when you say thank you to Danielle, she's going to give it back to the 80 workers, What she did was good. She organized it. She got it together. It was fabulous. But when you talk to her, and I have talked to her, she goes, we couldn't have done it without our 80 volunteers. That's taking the praise and deflecting it back out. And that's good. Because it's okay to praise somebody as long as the person receiving the praise is not receiving it and taking it in and going, yeah, I was that. Because then it's over. It's done. But if you deflect it back out to God, thank you, God, for giving me the ability to work with kids or work with whatever you do and also deflect it to other people, it's a beautiful thing at that point. So what we're saying here is he's telling us the inner life and the external practice are connected. And that's been uh, divorced or separated so many times in in the Christian world. We kind of go, how's your devotional life? How's your inner life? And I tell you where it's really been is in business. And I'm not speaking of people necessarily in this room, but certainly a lot of Christians who act a certain way on Saturday and Sunday and on Wednesday nights, and then act a different way during the week. And you go, I would never know they were Christians by the way they're conducting their business. Or worse, I wouldn't know they're a Christian because they've never given any indication that they were a Christian. That's even worse. And you've heard me tell stories of people in my office before I was a pastor, and one time I was sharing with them, and and finally one said, you know, I'm a Christian. I knew her for six, seven years and had no idea. She knew I was. She knew some others. She never, well, that's even worse. Our inner life and our external practice have to match. And that's why I'm saying it has to be connected to God. God, this, our heart, our actions. And if any of them are divorced from the other, then it's just empty doctrine. It's just um, philosophy. It's just feeling good. It's just doing good. Do you see that? Now, I want to feel good, and I want to have a good philosophy, and I want to have a good doctrine, but they all have to be connected. So your doing good has to be connected to your belief, your belief, your doctrine, and how you think. Does that make sense? Because if that doesn't make sense, the rest of the sermon is like, you're not going to get it. 
because we're going to get into even harder stuff. And you guys dealt with some hard stuff last couple of weeks. We're going to deal with some other hard things coming up. And if you don't get that it's all connected, you're going to miss it. So number one, our internal life and our external practice come together. Then he goes into verse 2, and he starts talking about giving. Now, there's some interesting things here. It's not a total treatise on how you should give. This is a very specific thing. And here's what's good. He says, thus, or okay, next point, when you give to the needy. He doesn't say if you give to the needy. Isn't that interesting? When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, but do it in secret. We don't have a clue what this means, most of us. We think it means don't tell anybody. Now, that's okay, but you gotta t- you, people have to know. If I'm gonna give to such and such uh, a work, they're going to know about it, right? You're going to know about it. So what does he mean by don't sound the trumpet and don't let your left hand know what your right hand? Do you remember the story of the widow's mite? Okay, if you remember the story, that was the lady that only had two little half pennies left, and she put it in the offering, and it was all she had. Okay, here's how the offering worked in the synagogue back then. You would walk in to the synagogue, and there was a horn there. It was either a man-made horn or an antler that had been cut that had the chambers that would go down into a bucket so that when you dropped it, it would go click, 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 bang. Now, when you had a half a penny, I don't know if you've ever touched a penny, versus an American penny, any penny, or a half penny from back then, you could do it. It's thin, it's simple, you know. You put a quarter in, you know it's more. You put a dollar, a real dollar, a, a medallion dollar in, you can do it. You put in an ounce of gold, you're gonna hear it. It's gonna go clang, 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 boom. And what he's saying is what they would do is they would throw it in so it would clang up top, clang on the way down, all the rest. Or you walk in, how are you doing? And you go like this and you kind of put it and it will quietly just go down the chamber and nobody will hear it. You see, even the left hand, because I'm talking to you all with my left side, I walk in, you don't know if I put a half penny in or if I put an ounce of gold in that's worth whatever, $1,500. You don't know the difference because I have not let it sound. See, so that's nowadays, though, how do we do it? Because everything we do is paper or electronic. So we do it other ways. We do it with our voice. We do it with our influence. So I would just say, be careful when you give Now, it's not bad that I know that you come up to me and tell me. I should know. That's my job. I mean, it's our job for our bookkeepers. It's our job for our ministry leaders. So it's not like nobody should know. But it's like when you go back to the uh, offering boxes, you don't loiter there and you go, I'm writing a big check and, you know, the verbal side of this. And then you 
you know, you don't put it in an envelope, so, you know, you're just kind of going like this, so, and then you put it in, that's kind of the same thing. Now, I think at this church, we don't do that much. But you gotta be careful of it. You just gotta be careful. Now, here's the thing it's not. Oh, please, I wasn't referring to anybody in particular. Here's what happens, though, is that we are afraid to tell others about our generosity. So let's go to the other side. So we're very easy to tell people about, oh, I volunteered here, or I did this. And we're also very uh, normal in sharing our sins. I'm amazed at how Americans share their sins. It's just nowhere else in the world do they do this. They don't share their sins, but they share their sins. But we never tell anybody in an encouraging way that, you know, I'm, I'm supporting this ministry. Would you help me support this ministry? Because we're afraid that we've let the left hand know what the right hand's doing, and all of a sudden we're not going to get blessing, and God's going to kind of curse our gift. But please understand this, if you have the gift of giving, if you really know how to give, if you really see ministry, there's nothing wrong with going, hey, would you come join me in this? Hey, would you come join me in this? I'm going to donate towards this issue. Would you help me in this? I mean, I do it every week, don't I? Come to help us in Ukraine when the hurricane hit Bahamas last year. Help us in the Bahamas when we go to Bruce and Deb. Help us in Haiti. We do that, so I do it. And it's not that and I donate as well, but I'm not telling you I'm donating so that you look at me. I'm telling you so that you'll do it too. And so please don't be afraid. If you have the gift of giving and you see people, you know, just go, hey, let's give together. I remember a few, when, we, when I, we were young, we had a, a group, and some of them are in this room right now, that we had a giving group. We had a giving group. And what was interesting was when someone knew of someone in need, they would, in our giving group, they would say, okay, this person needs X. And they would call us all up, and there was, I think, five couples in it or four or five couples. They'd go, hey, could we each give one-fourth to this? And we always did because we trusted the person who vetted the issue, and we did it. And then I'd go and I'd go, or Elizabeth would go, hey, so-and-so needs such an, and we'd make a couple calls. Can you each give 100 bucks? Can you each give 200 bucks? Whatever it was, it's, the money amount is irrelevant. And we'd do it because they knew that if we said give, it was worthy to give to. So please don't not say anything because you're afraid that your friend's going to know what you're doing. That's not what it's about. It's about throwing and blowing the trumpet when you do give. But let me tell you, there are needs that need to be met, and they need to be met by people like you. You don't need to bring everything up to me. You need to go, you know what? I got two or three friends. We can meet this need. I have two or three friends over there. We can meet this need. Then the bigger issues you bring to the church staff, and we try to meet it with a larger group. But the smaller ones, you guys, just do it yourselves. It's a beautiful thing. Let's keep going. So the second is, first is right living versus wrong living, right giving versus wrong giving. Now, this is not talking about tithing or transformational giving. There's a lot of verses on that in the Bible. This is talking about giving to the needy. Do not stop giving to the needy. I think we as a church are partly uh, doing well because we are not afraid to give to the needy. We give to the needy, and we love it. 
Then he says, and when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, verse 5, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then don't pray like empty phrases like the Gentiles do. So here's the two simple thoughts. When you pray, pray sincerely to the Lord. We have heard people pray in settings where they are pretty much pontificating to the people in the room. You ever heard that? You ever seen that? I'm like, what are they doing? I almost want to just go, stop. You know, because that prayer is not even getting up to the ceiling. It's about, they, they want everybody in the room to know how much scripture they know and how much this they know and how much that they know and who they know and the problems they know. I'm thinking, this is not what prayer is about. Now, when you pray together, there's a sincerity involved in that. So don't pray like the hypocrites. And then he says, don't pray vain, empty prayers. What he's saying here, that's what the Gentiles do, the non-believers do. The non-believers pray. And I get a big kick out of this, I gotta tell you. I'm just gonna say it like it is. We took prayer out of the school when I was a little kid. And now, what do we say when anything bad happens in the school? Let's pray for them. I'm like, why don't we pray ahead of time? You know, so if you're in a school, pray. If you live next to a school, pray for that school. We need to be praying for the schools, even though the government has said we're not allowed to pray in the school. Here's the beautiful thing. When you pray in secret, you can pray all day for the school. You're not allowed to pray in your office. They don't want this religious thing. You can't put a cross on your cubicle, whatever. You can pray. Because you're not praying like the hypocrites, and you're not praying like the Gentiles. You're praying in secret, and you can pray. And can I tell you, your prayers will be heard and will be answered. It's an amazing thing. Do not be afraid to pray. Oh, I can't pray in school. Yes, you can pray in school. I can't pray in my office. Yes, you can pray in your office. You just can't pray maybe out loud and make a big scene about it and all the rest. But he's saying pray in secret. And it's a beautiful, there's, there's a place for public prayer in a worship service, in a Bible study. There's, there's a place for public prayer. But most prayer is done in private, in quiet. And it's a beautiful thing because in a country now that does not like prayer, except in tragedy, we need to be praying before the tragedies. We need to be praying constantly. And my friends, what's this pray without ceasing? You can pray constantly. It doesn't mean you're just praying all day long, all day long, all day long. But praying while you drive praying in between. You still got to work. You still got to teach. You still got to do your job, whatever it is. So don't cop out and pray instead of work. But you can be praying, praying for that person that you're um, working for, working with, working as a client, working as a vendor, working as a customer, your next door neighbor in the condo, whatever it is, you can pray for them, can't you? It is a beautiful thing to pray for people. And I hope you do. But as you do, don't pray as the hypocrites and don't pray as the Gentiles. Just pray. Next week, 
Read the Lord's Prayer. Read it in the Scripture so that you get every word. I know most of us know it by heart. We'll quote it next week. And we're going to talk about how to pray. You're going to go, okay, Bill, you say pray. I'm just not quite there yet. Can I tell you, every one of you can pray. Prayer is not for the religious elite. Prayer is for all of us. In fact, there really is no religious elite, right? Pride comes before a fall. We're all humble before the Lord, but we need to pray. So let's pray right now.